Welcome to a Better Divorce Podcast, where we have conversations about the emotional, financial, and legal issues that are on your mind or should be on your radar if your goal is to keep your divorce out of court. I'm collaborative divorce attorney and mediator, Andrea Vaca, and I know that how you divorce matters to your long-term well-being. That's why it's my mission to help you have a better divorce with as little acrimony as possible so that you can create the best life possible on the other side of your marriage. Hello, I'm thrilled to have Dr. Ann Gold Bushow on the Better Divorce podcast today. Dr. Bushow is a licensed clinical psychologist who specializes in family issues related to divorce, parenting, parenting, planning, co-parenting, counseling, everything to do with parenting. And she's, a, uh, she's passionate about helping parents divorce respectfully so that the entire family can heal and thrive after divorce. Her book is The Parent's Guide to Bird Nesting, a child-centered solution to co-parenting during separation and divorce. And it was published by Simon & Schuster in September 2020. And one other thing I want to mention is that she has a column in psychology today that happens to be called A Better Divorce. So, and great minds think alike. Welcome to A Better Divorce podcast. I'm very glad to be here. And the fact that you're a collaborative lawyer makes us kind of kindred spirits because I work almost exclusively with collaborative divorce cases. Yeah, I, I can see that in everything in, in your writing and your columns and um, your website. It just it's clear that we're, you know, so like minded around the what that process can bring to a family when it's transitioning from married to unmarried. So um, I'm really excited to have this conversation to you, with you today. You're, you know, this is the first time we're talking about nesting on on the podcast. So um, I wanted to have you on because so many parents uh, consider this mm -hmm. and it's a great option, but there's also challenges with it. So I was really hoping, you know, to kind of dig into that with you today. Mm -hmm. So better to ask than the person who wrote the book on it. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, the book came about because... Simon and Schuster sort of foresaw that that nesting would be a trending topic. And I had written a blog about it in 2014. So 10 years ago now. Just yeah. about. And my ex and I had nested in 1994. So even longer ago. And um, so that's almost 30 years ago, which is kind of scary. Um, but we had no clue what we were doing. It was just suggested to us. So I learned a lot from that experience. And as time went on and I talked to more and more of my clients about nesting, I began to put together ideas about what works and what doesn't work and what would really help make the nesting experience successful. Right. Yeah. So your own experience, the clients you worked with, um, and then and then Simon Schuster came calling. So you had been, you, I guess you just gathered all your notes and your experiences and, and started working on the book. Um, so let's define exactly what nesting is. How, how, how do you define it? So nesting is an arrangement that parents agree on where the children stay in one home. And generally that's the primary home where they've been raised. And the parents take turns being on and off duty according to some kind of prearranged schedule that they've agreed on. The biggest stress that I'm, when I talk to people is about I mean, the thing that I stress the most is having a documented agreement um, and rather than just sort of winging it. And 
Uh, so the this thing that they've pre-agreed on the schedule is very specific. It's part it becomes part of the parenting plan. And and whether they're doing this as a in an interim basis before the final agreement is signed or it's going to be part of the final agreement, you you encourage them not to just wing it, uh, wing it, get it, but to um, actually have it in writing and make sure there's a, a schedule um, agreements on how they'll do this. Right? Yeah. So where and when? Sure. The big questions that come up are where do parents go when they're off duty, um, and uh, how long do they do this for? Because sometimes people will do it for a month or two and then they think they failed because they just did it for a short time. And I believe that if you own, even if you only do it for a short time, you're giving the separation and or divorce a, a softer startup for the kids. Right. Um, it's an easier transition for them. So I encourage people to do it for as long as, as they can. Sometimes they will do it until the divorce is done or until the house is sold or until the school year is over. But um, it, it doesn't, however long parents do it will benefit the children and benefit them actually as well. And then did you want me to talk a little bit about where parents go when they're not on duty? Well, yeah, but first, before I would definitely like to talk about that, about that. I'd like to know a little bit more about your experience with it. Mm -hmm. um, you you know, like, where did you go? What did you do? What did you try different ways? You know, trial, was there some trial and error or you and your, your uh, spouse um, decided this is what we're going to do and we stuck with it. So can you just tell a little bit about your own experience sure, with it? Sure. Well, like most people, we didn't have a, enough money to go and buy another home or two homes or two apartments or whatever. So what I did was I got a room in a shared rental. So I had five roommates. It was like going back to college days but it was actually for me it was good because i had a little bit of support and you know i wasn't alone when i was off duty and missing my kids mm -hmm. um and my ex-husband had a girlfriend at the time so he stayed with her and we nested for 15 months and what brought the nesting to an end was when he wanted her to move into the house and we had already decided that he was going to keep the house so um i don't think it ended well which I write about how to end it, but that's why it ended. Okay. So sometimes it, it, it ends naturally because life happens and sometimes it's a pre-arranged, you know, yes. plan. But your book does go into um, why it's becoming more common. I mean, you said Simon & Schuster like saw some trends, I guess. And I definitely have seen that in my own practice. I, you know, I, I knew people back 20, 30 years ago who were nesting and people have always talked about it. But I'm, more people are more open to it, whether it's on a very temporary basis or a long-term plan. Um, and so what, why do you think it's becoming more popular now? What, why are we hearing about it more? I think people are more and more aware of putting their children ahead of their own relationship um, emotions. I think most parents will agree on one thing, that they love their children and they want to protect them as best as possible. So I do think that, especially after um, Conscious Uncoupling came out and um, people have talked a little bit more about what kids need, um, I think that's driving it. I also think finances are driving it. Um, I also think um, some people aren't really sure when they nest whether they're going to reconcile or go ahead and divorce. So that gives them time to think about that without disrupting the children's lives. 
yeah, to give them space from each other. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and so I, I, um, I had clients that didn't, that knew they wanted to divorce. Um, and the wife did have the finances to go buy another home. So they had two homes, but their son wouldn't leave the home. Oh, <laughs> he was of an age where he just wasn't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. So, um, they didn't realize this until after she had spent a lot of money on this new home. So she had, they had a nest out of necessity because the son just wouldn't, was never going to come stay with mom. So they ended up nesting. And I wish they had had a book like this. <laughs> it was a little, it was a little before COVID this happened, um, yeah. you know, to really think through, was it the best plan? Cause I know yeah. it's very, very hard on them. And they did it for two years until yeah. he was out of high school. Um, yeah. so it's really, it can be very hard on the parents and, your book has a checklist about, you know, how to help parents decide if, it, if it's right for their family. Yes. So what are, you know, and you have like positive signs and red flags. And so can you just talk a little bit about that? Like how a couple might be able to say, oh, we might be a good, this might work for us versus it won't. There has to be just a minimum of respect. Right. <laughs> you know, by the time people are talking about separation and divorce, there's often very little goodwill, but there has to be a way to come together around parenting. And that even parents with different parenting styles can come together around protecting children from fallout from the divorce. Um, And, you know, during COVID, so I wrote the book before COVID started. During COVID, a lot of people had to nest because they they were locked down and they had planned to separate. And these are people who really had no forethought about nesting, but were forced into it. And it was, I think, a good experience for most of them because they realized that it did benefit the kids. And they had to come up with all sorts of different ways of rearranging things in order to make nesting possible within one home. Um, But um, did I answer your question? Uh, No, what are some of the... The good signs. You need a minimum of respect between you. Yeah, Um, there has to be a modicum of respect. There has to be a willingness to sit down and make agreements and keep them. mm -hmm. Um, And so a lot of people will make agreements but not keep them. So it's really important to not agree to something unless you think you can keep it. They have to be willing to talk about what happens um, if things go wrong for some reason. They have to be willing to predict difficult circumstances. I mean, the big ones are things like dating or uh, new relationships and having agreements about how the primary home is kept. Is that only for the children or can they bring new relationships into the home? Um, there needs to, They need to be able to communicate with each other, um, whether that's in writing or texting or um, verbally. Mm-hmm. I think that for if people are interested in nesting and they understand how it benefits the kids and they have difficulty sitting down to draft a nesting agreement, they can get somebody like you or me to help them um, put together such an agreement. Think it through. Like mm-hmm. with the communication, you know, don't we don't want them communicating through the children you're not leaving messages with you know the children like when your dad gets back tell him this right like you want to leave them out of it um but being able to basically follow through respect each other respect each other's needs and wants and prior agreements um that's 
absolutely ne necessary. Uh, and course. respect each other's privacy as well. Yes. So um, if, if people are nesting, then a lot of times important documents are in the house, maybe computers are in the house. Um, they, they need to have a conversation about how to respect each other's privacy, um, about what condition to leave the house in when they leave. I've had some people have, you know, five-page grocery lists that, you know, the refrigerator must be stocked before the changeover happens. I don't think that's particularly helpful, but I do think some basic staples, and that don't leave a sink full of dishes, you know, maybe change the bed before you move back in, you know, before you move out and the other parent comes back in. Um, right. There's all these things that you might not think about. So having a checklist or talking to somebody who's been through it or has worked with other clients and have seen where the um, landmines are, you know, that they'll eventually realize they should have talked about, we can we can help them look forward. Right. Um, and what are checklist is in the book. Right. Yeah. And um, some red flags, I, I you know, I noticed there was a lot about if there's alcohol or drugs, mm -hmm. one or both are using them, you're fighting around, the, you know, when you're using them, um, there's been domestic violence, you know, those are kind of the big red flags, big, bright red flags. But what are some others that um, people should probably be aware of that this may not be the right fit for them? Um, if people really can't control their rage in front of the children, um, that would be a red flag. Untreated mental illness would be a red flag. Okay. You know, un untreated addiction would be a red flag. Um, there are other, some people really just can't see sharing um, the home with the person they're going to divorce. And if they really, um, th if they really can't see themselves accommodating to and, and sort of compromising and sacrificing where they need to, to prioritize the children, then they shouldn't do it. And I've had situations where one parent badly wanted to nest and the other parent just wasn't willing. And I'm sure you've seen that too. Yeah. You can't force this. It has to be a mutual agreement. It's not something you can try to convince somebody of if it's I absolutely great. And you can try it with baby steps, like moving to the basement or, you know, try living, nesting while living together mm -hmm. um, before moving apart. But some people just don't want to just don't want to do it and that's that's okay it, you, it's not going to be the right fit i completely agree with that i mean some people before they even show up in your office or my office have already started maybe sleeping in separate bedrooms or um you know detaching emotionally in some way or other so in a sense that's the first step and if they could come to an agreement about an on-duty off-duty schedule and formalize that then they they could nest and like I said earlier, even if they just nest for a very short time, it gives everybody time to cool off, calm down, kind of transition to this new way of thinking about their family structure. Yes. Yeah, the kids get used to being with one parent at a time. The parents get a little space from each other. The tensions can come down in the home. You know, it doesn't have to be a forever situation. Right. Um, you know, I... I um, before we started the call, I told you that in, I, I, I like to think about when people are in the nest and then when they're not in the nest, the parents are in the on their perch, right? Where are they perching? That's how I, and you said nobody else uses this term. So I guess I made it up, but um, 
I like the idea of that. So you're leaving the nest, you're going, where will you perch? Where will you stay? You stayed with, you found a, a home with other roommates and that worked really well for you. What are you seeing other parents are doing? Huge variety. Some people nest within their home and they might even uh, sort of restructure their home, put kids together in one in one bedroom so that they create an, a bedroom for the off-duty parent. That makes it a little complicated in terms of agreeing about when they're in the kitchen, for example, or their interactions. Um, I've seen parents sleep at their office with a fold-out couch. I've seen parent, I had one uh, gentleman who uh, had a, um, a pastor who allowed him to stay in his, um, his, his office had a couch and he stayed there for quite some time. Um, I've had people stay with friends and family and couch surf for a while. Um, I've had, if people can afford it, they can share an apartment offsite. And again, that that's a separate agreement about how that apartment is used, um, but they could share an offsite studio. Um, or if they are, if they have the means to have two offsite studios. And of course, that's the most expensive way to go, but it also gives each parent the most independence. Yeah, it depends on, you know, your financial situation, of course. Mm -hmm. um, but you also have to think about what will, how productive will you be at work and in parenting and all the other things you have to, and, and your divorce that you might be going through while you're doing this. Um, so, you know, you really have to think ahead as to what will make you comfortable, too. It, it's not just about the children. There's There was a show on ABC called Splitting Up Together, and it was a sitcom, and I, it ran for a couple of seasons, and, and then it left. But that was a nesting family. <clears throat> and what they did was they converted the garage into an apartment, yeah. and the off-duty parent went to the garage. I think people um, can think out of the box, to come up with solutions that aren't necessarily exorbitantly expensive. Um, it all comes back to what are you willing to do to protect your children from the stress of the divorce? And, are, you, and can you do it in a way that you also take care of yourself and give yourself time to collect yourself emotionally, maybe give yourself time to explore reconciliation or not, um, or to, find out where you're going to stand financially post-divorce, which is, I think, what why we nested was we didn't know how we would stand post-divorce. So we wanted to have all of that figured out before we moved to separate homes. Right. Like who is going, are you, what are you doing with the fam, former family home? Will there, will you be selling it? Will you each have money to go buy something or rent something else? Or will one person need time to refinance that they can buy the other person out? Like the, you don't always know these things. You never know these things immediately. You need time for it. So this is um, such a, a, a great option, you know, especially as we talked about for the kids. But so as people are thinking about nesting and we're moving their lives are moving on they're starting to meet new people maybe this is post-divorce now um uh they've they've separated and divorced and and they want to start dating so what what do you tell people to look out for before they start moving into this next excuse me before they move into this next phase of their uh life what what challenges should they expect and what have you seen happen well I mean, there, a, a significant number of divorces, as you know, often start because there's an affair. There's already a new relationship. And um, 
I always start with what kids need. Kids are not ready to meet anybody new or accept anybody new in their lives for quite some time after the divorce, generally at least a year. A healthy child who was pretty stable before the divorce will kind of be more resilient and be pretty recovered after a year. But uh, many children need more, two years or more. So kids aren't ready to meet people. So the place that I would start is you never bring dates or new relationships into the family home when you're nesting. You have all your off-duty time to date and um, to explore new relationships. If you're already in one or if you want to get online and start dating, all of that is fine. You're entitled to have a personal life when you're off-duty, but don't bring don't bring dates or new relationships into the home. Kids are incredibly perceptive. If you bring somebody in and say, oh, this is my friend, kids know. They pick that up immediately. So the story that I wrote about in the book was um, a couple that had not discussed this issue at, before they, they started nesting. And the wife came home one day and found a used condom in the bedroom. And that kind of was a big that caused a big blow up. Yeah. <laughs> and there are a lot of ways to blow up nesting, but that's one of the worst. So um, I always ask people to include very clear guidelines about dating and new relationships in their nesting agreement. And um, you would suggest not just a guideline, but red, like a red line, like you will not do this. You will mm-hmm. not, there's plenty of time um, to do this, you know, when you're off duty. And, you and have don't your introduce your kids to new people um, so soon, because the fact that you're happy in a new relationship doesn't mean they will be happy. And in fact, they're more likely to sabotage the relationship. Um, and I've had all kinds of counter arguments to that. Well, I don't want to continue if my kids don't like them. Well, don't don't start until the kids have had a chance to kind of transition and adapt to having two single parents. Right. Yeah, I think. I see, you know, the new partner will put pressure. I want to meet your kids. I want to move this forward. And in a way, if you've, if you've already agreed with your ex, like, yeah, well, I'm not going to introduce the children until we are, I'm at a certain point in my relationship or whether we're this far apart away from our signed agreement or we've been separated X amount of time. The date of the divorce doesn't really matter to the children. They don't know. But how long have they been in their world separate? Have the children been separated? That That's really... Right. The timeline, right? Well, Think about I mean, the reason is that I mean most relationships break up within the first year. So you if you if your kids really like the new person and they get attached to them and then they break up, um, it's another loss for the kids. It's a it's kind of one loss after another. And um I know someone who for 10 years after the divorce, he had a series of relationships, but none of them lasted more than a year. But every time the kids were introduced and some of them they got quite attached to. So, you know, this was devastating for them. Some of them left in the middle of the night without ever saying goodbye. I mean, it was it was really so destructive for them. So as happy as as you may be in your new relationship, don't assume that your kids are going to be happy for you. Or I've heard a lot of myths about, well, if I'm happy, my kids will be happy. It actually doesn't doesn't hold true. 
and you have to find ways to be happy and be the best parent you can be, or, you know, regardless of your personal relationships, you have to put your children first. Yeah. So, so knowing that people want to eventually be dating again and nesting might not be the forever arrangement. If you're going to have this kind of agreement where you can't bring your new partner into your home, um, what are some ways that they people think you've seen people think about when to end the end the nesting period mm -hmm. what yeah um when to end it sometimes people have a specific milestone in mind and sometimes life happens as you said earlier and, and they decide that it's time to end um i counsel people to give their partner at least three months notice 90 days notice so that they have time to get you know, their life reorganized. Mm -hmm. um, and that usually, I mean, if, if people are keeping their agreements, that's a good agreement to keep. The, you know, you asked a question about other ways that nesting can go wrong and the dating and new relationships is a, is a good example of a big one. But the way nesting goes wrong often is just people not keeping their agreements. And that and or and so for i mean for example i worked with one couple where the wife signed the children up for extracurriculars and when the husband was on duty he didn't want to take the kids he just didn't want to it just wasn't and he was a, a person who had agreed to something he hadn't really agreed to he just agreed to it in order to move on so that kind of thing can really um blow up a nesting arrangements and and the other thing that can blow it up is when people um, are over controlling, like mom has a certain bedtime and dad lets the kids stay up and watch TV on a school night. Well, there, I think if parents agreed about parenting, that would be a big reason for them not to get divorced. They're not going to have the same parenting styles. So there has to be some way of accepting that you can't control, you can't reach over the fence and, and control what your co-parent is doing and if, if you're able to do that then the nesting can work but i've seen things really break down because of that and of course it doesn't really change when they move to two homes because the parents will still do what they want to do right being trying to micromanage what's happening in the other parent's home or when the other parent is on duty whether it's in the nest or not is very very difficult and stressful and and you'll never be happy so you talk about in the book it's something like the good enough parenting plan or something yeah. to that effect yeah. um and it has to be good enough that you're each feeling the kids are safe right and mm -hmm. you're, you're you're being heard and you two are communicating well but there also has to be some freedom to be yeah. parent the way you need to parent yeah the kids are their routine is unchanged they're not packing and moving every few days their lives are more stable um parents who really have very different parenting styles or don't want to co-parent can still have a parallel parenting agreement and nest they can still do that and um so sometimes people think if you're nesting you have to be really cooperative and really co-parenting closely and and actually that's not true if you agree that you're going to have more of a parallel parenting plan where there's kind of a firewall between you you can also nest successfully. It's just that you're respecting that firewall. And you need, you need a lot more of those agreements and you need to comply with them and follow them for that yep. firewall to be, you know, stable enough, right? Mm -hmm. To keep you parallel. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can totally visualize that, right? Uh, is there some 
a ideal schedule for nesting um, for the children that they see their parents? Is it, is it age? Is it based on their age? Like how often their the new parents are coming in or out of the nest? I mean, not the new parents, but you know, the parents are coming in and out of the nest. What have you found in that regard? It's really, it's, um, it's a great question because it really does depend on age. So, you know, there's this phrase frequent and continuing contact with both parents. That's I think a legal term um, that the research has shown that for, especially for young children, frequent and continuing contact with both parents is what is going to ensure a secure attachment to both parents, right? But as kids get older, um, they can tolerate longer periods of time. So for really young kids, and I've worked with nesting parents with newborns, um, and that's a like every other day kind of thing. Um, but as kids get older, they can tolerate, you know, two or three days. And then by the time they're in school, they might be able to do a two, two, five schedule, which is, um, something that is probably the most popular schedule that I see. My ex and I did a week on week off schedule and my youngest at the time was six. And I felt like that was too long to go without, um, contact. So we had a midweek dinner. Hmm. Um, so I think you watch your kids very closely and see how they're doing with this schedule. It's hard on parents. There's no question that the coming and going and packing and unpacking is hard on parents. But I think that in the long run, when the kids start doing it, the parents have a lot more empathy yes. for them because they know what it's like. Right. And if their child forgets their homework at the other parent's house, they're not going to lose it. You know, they're not going to blow up about it. They're going to be more empathic because they've had that experience of trying to live in two places. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I have mentioned that to, uh, to to talk to clients about that um, based on information I received from former clients. So there's so much to think about. I think anyone who's thinking about nesting, your book is excellent. A place to start and really think you think it through and look at themselves and ask themselves some questions and 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 think ahead and look at the you know a plan make a plan that's it make a plan stick with the plan um, and make sure you're going into this level headed um, so so I think this has been really helpful and and I'm so glad you got to come on and talk with me about this. And, and so as, as you know, I end every um, episode with a better divorce tip. So I would love to hear what is your better divorce tip? Oh, stay out of court. Hey, okay. <laughs> does everybody say that? Nope. Yeah, no, you know, everybody says something different. I've never heard the same tip, but this, I, that's my tip all the time, right? <laughs> stay out of court. So do what you can work with the right team. Put Fine. your kids first. Yes. Um, you know, always put your kids first. They're the, they're the canaries in the mine. Yes, they are. Well, thank you so much, Anne. It's been a really a pleasure having you on the show. Um, so, what, so where can people find the book and and for, and you? Um, where you know, if people wanted to reach out, what can they yeah. learn more? Um, my website is drannbusho.com. It's D R A N N B U S C H O. Dot com, And uh, they'll find a link to the book there. They'll find all kinds of other information about nesting. And I have a blog there too. And um, um, I'm pretty 
I'm pretty happy with the way that website. <laughs> I made it just because the book came out. So okay, I got rid yeah. of my other website. Yeah, your blog is great. Your Psychology Today column is wonderful. You're you you write a lot, so lots of great information out there from you. Yeah, yeah, you know, I have over two million reads now on my blog on psychology today, oh. and it, it it warms my heart to think that you know people are being helped by this, or at least being provoked to think about something in a new way, and um, and so that's very exciting. I upload a new article every two weeks, and it's called a better divorce. We're the better divorce sisters. How's that? <laughs> Oh, I'm so happy to have you here today, and thank you so much. Um, everyone, this has been another episode of A Better Divorce Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you on the next episode. Thanks for having me. You've been tuning in to another episode of A Better Divorce Podcast with Andrea Vaca. Thank you for subscribing, leaving your positive comments and reviews, and sharing the show with others. You can watch episodes at vacalaw.com. YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And you can listen through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Bye for now. And remember, you can have a better divorce.